Um, and, you know, people have the right to change and be who they are at any time in their life, mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be used as a weapon Absolutely. against those of us that are happy with who we are. Yeah. Welcome back to the channel today, everybody. Um, it's been a couple months. Um, there really hasn't been a ton that I've been wanting to comment on. I've been working on a lot of other stuff. And then one of the big things here up front I want to mention is I did start a GoFundMe page. I had a lot of issues when it came for insurance purposes um, and paying for surgery. Since I'm not working at a corporate position, I'm not getting employer-provided um, insurance and apparently that's the only type of insurance that you can use uh, to pay for surgeries and stuff out of state unless it is a life-saving procedure um, or it's an emergency that you're in the emergency room um, and since there's not a surgeon in the state of Georgia um, I'm kind of kind of out of options there so I have to pay cash I have to pay cash before the surgery so in the link below, please go, uh, go check out my GoFundMe page. Even if you can't, if you can't donate to anything, um, it's my pin post on Twitter. You can just retweet it. I mean, that even helps because Twitter likes to uh, suppress anything that has a link and that has a link to all my stuff. Um, I also have my cash app down below. Um, so if you don't want to, if you want to donate direct instead, you can go to the cash app. And that's probably, I mean, that, that's better for me because um, they don't take a percentage of the, the cash I have coming in. Um, but um, GoFundMe is a little bit more, um, you know, it's going towards that cause and everything like that. So, so please go, go help um, whatever you can. I mean, every little thing is completely appreciated. Um, I did not, I mean, I didn't, I didn't want to ask for help, but um, I think this is a better option than government provided healthcare, right? So now on to the video. Today I brought in a, a friend of mine who you guys might know, you might not know, um, but her name is Taylor Leanne Chandler. And um, I'm just gonna have her go ahead and introduce herself. So Taylor. Hey everybody, I am Taylor Leanne Chandler and um, I am the transgender health coordinator at Us Helping Us in DC, but probably most of you, I came onto your radar six years ago when I was outed nationally for being the then girlfriend of Michael Phelps. And <clears throat> there was a lot of um, labels and misinformation and there was a lot of labels in the beginning I wasn't comfortable with because I had lived stealth for 41 years, never acknowledging any of my past to friends, boyfriends, husbands. And I know there's a lot of um, disagreement on that, but I did what was right for me. And um, now I'm part of Capital Pride. I'm part of Flux AHF, the DC chapter president. I sit on other local boards and I work really hard to tell my story as a cautionary tale um, in a lot of ways but I'm not ashamed of anything. I don't regret anything per se. Um, and I've come a long way because I do recognize that I have mental illness, borderline personality disorder, but I'm treated and I live pretty stable these days 
Whereas in the year aftermath of the Michael Phelps chaoticness, um, I was pretty manic and spiraling for a whole year. And I guess those, some of those things I would have done differently, but I don't regret them because it's brought me to this space where I'm very comfortable. I appreciate labels because I think they're important for those of us that can do advocacy and be open and out. Um, sharing our stories always helps others in a small way or a big way, but some way. Absolutely, I absolutely agree. Um, Cause I do a lot of, I've actually been asked to do quite a bit of advocacy as well. A lot of friends I have, they always, whether it's a another trans person or somebody who might be trans, but or just gender non-conforming or what, and they have a lot of questions. So I think it's important to be there for for people as well. Absolutely. But I brought Taylor on the channel today because we I think we both come from very different, I think it's very different sides of even like the political spectrum. So I mean I'm in the libertarian group and I'm very I always find myself in the middle when having, you know, a lot of these discourses too, because um, there's people on both sides that want to scream and yell at each other, but we're not having these conversations. And I think it's really important that we have these civil discussions where we may disagree on some issues, but we're actually working on it and we're respecting each other and we're kind of, kind of mending some of that discourse, some of that, you know, hate that's going on in the country right now. Um, based on political ideologies. So now I did wanna ask you too. So your Twitter profile says that you are also, you're an intersex trans woman. Right. What does that exactly mean uh, for most people that might not understand a lot of the nuances that, that go into it? Um, when I was born, um, I had, um, genitalia that wasn't really one way or the other. And in 1972, the saying was, whatever's easier, sew a pole, sew a hole or make a pole. And so my doctor made that decision. My parents weren't even involved because it was important then and many could say even now to fit into a binary world. So um, <clears throat> that led to a lot of surgery in my childhood to be able to pee correctly. And it made it so that before puberty, I went on medication, but I never knew what all this was happening for. Um, I didn't even realize until I was around three going to daycare and they said, boys line up in this line, girls line up in this line, that I had an assigned sex or gender. And so at that point, my family knew something was wrong. And, um, immediately put me in therapy to fix me. Um, and then when I had the, the testing done and they realized that internally I had a uterus, I did not produce semen, I had no testes, no ovaries, um, but I had um, testicular tissue as well as ovarian tissue. I was just really a train wreck. And, but intersex wasn't even a word then. Um, it was more hermaphrodite which now to me and a lot of people in the intersex community is offensive because when you, when I think of hermaphrodite, I think of the circus freak, you know, 
or porn that's really not even real in my opinion, mm -hmm. but just off the chains. And so um, when I was outed in 2014, um, it was all new to me because I did not have an experience really with either any of these groupings because I, I was not exposed to gay, trans, nothing, drag queens, gay bar, nothing until many years later. And um, even then I was still stealth. Mm -hmm. And so after all this happened and I got help and started learning more about things, the basic definition, as far as I see it, or what I think it is, is transgender means you were, you were not the sex assigned at birth. Okay. And I'm not the sex I was assigned mm -hmm. at birth. So to me, it's like, I don't really have an intersex platform because I didn't connect with anybody. That wasn't even a word. But so I usually say I'm intersex. I see transgender as a verb and now I'm a female. But okay. the reality is I feel like at the moment, trans is the label that's the house on fire that needs assistance. Yeah. And so it's not that I deny being intersex per se, but I feel like it's more important to acknowledge the label trans and it's more relatable, mm -hmm. let's be honest, without a lot of explanation. And it was exhausting trying to explain to people. And it was so invasive having okay. to explain my genitalia. But now <clears throat> I'm fine with all of it. But normally I'm more in the realm of trans everything. Okay. Um, and my job is focused completely on black specific trans causes because talk about a house that's on fire that needs assistance. That's who's predominantly being murdered. That's where the continual to this day upticks in HIV and AIDS is. Um, and they're the one that when they leave the house, they're first black, then trans, and they have a target. And, mm -hmm. you know, and part of that, I'm sure we could go into later or another time is, you know, we're also afraid to talk about passing and realness, but that is for those that have that privilege, it is a privilege and their experience is not the same as someone that may be transitioned later and is having to undo masculinization processes. And that's why I fight for youth so much is because with persistence, consistency, and a team of professionals, the family and the youth, I think you can come to a place where decisions can be made to not make them go down a path that's gonna make them suicidal or give up. And that's important. And you know, for me, it was life-changing, um, but there are risks. And so everybody involved needs to know the pros, the cons, and the risks and understand what those risks mean, long-term, short-term. And I think, again, that's not the conversations we have. Yep. Now, see, there's, there's a lot of, um, I think, this the so the the trans murder rate and everything like that is kind of one of those issues i think many people look at and they don't really know how to discuss it because 
I mean, when I look at it, I look at the stats and see that there's really not this epidemic of trans murders because, I mean, what was it last year? 59 people in the U.S. I and think that's, so. Which is a lot less of a percentage than any other group of people in the U.S. As well, I mean, you mentioned, um, um, you know, Black trans people um, especially, but I mean, just demographically, um, we know that a lot of the issues are mostly, a lot of the issues come from domestic violence situations, um, you know, drug and gang related situations and prostitution related situations. Um, so I think when people hear those stats, they go, well, then this really isn't trans people being targeted. It's just people that just so happened to be trans being um, in that situation. So where where are where would you, with your background, because you actually, like you said, you talk a lot about it a lot. How would you address those concerns to people? Um, I think first and foremost, um, within the black community of trans, typically they come out early and then they're put out, their education stops. And so there's no shame in work, but survival sex work shouldn't be a rite of passage. There should be options. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a whole, Black people have been oppressed for many years in getting jobs, getting this, getting services. Um, and so for me, that's where the, the unequal part of services comes in. But at the same time, I'm not going to not acknowledge someone white or yeah. Asian yeah. Pacific or whoever. Um, I think based, you know, I didn't really think about it before, but I think it's because of my work and what I mm -hmm. do. I'm very conscious. Yeah. And my organization does a, a transgender day of remembrance event and i've said many times you know everybody's so quick to give money and memorialize someone when they're dead why can't we uplift give them resources support when they're alive um and that's not just black that's the mm -hmm. spectrum absolutely and, and we don't you know sometimes i think being part of the LGBTQ umbrella is a disservice to the I and the T um, because you can be the I and the T and be all the other letters, mm -hmm. uh, but the other letters aren't necessarily the I and the T. And depending on your journey and what you're comfortable with, you know, it can mean medical transitioning or it doesn't. And that's another thing. I think we judge and look down on people that maybe don't want a medical transition, or maybe they just want hormones, a name change, and some pretty boobs, but they're not going to mm -hmm. ever get bottom surgery. And so I think we always need to respect all the spectrum of what trans can look like. Um, and so I, I would agree that because of my work and living in Washington, DC, which is a chocolate city, mm -hmm. um, I am very focused on black issues mm -hmm. um because here specifically 
um, the white trans in the community are more elders. They were later transitioning. So they had security and seniority in their job. They, they were never at risk of losing it during transition. Mm-hmm. And they had families or military experience or education all the way up with a bunch of letters after their name. So they weren't in danger of the same things that some of us that started younger and were put out and had to really work harder to get to those places. Um, So that's why, at least here, I don't see the, the range being anybody white in this yeah. area specifically the dmv yeah and and until until your point i can i can say that i have never really experienced true transphobia and when they talk about the south i mean i've been everywhere in rural georgia rural tennessee middle of nowhere kentucky and i've never had to i've never really experienced anything like that i've pretty pretty much been well accepted in my in my life and I don't personally believe I passed that well so I mean I think I passed okay but not not completely um but now you, you but mentioned the confidence thing too yeah like if I, I we're happy right. and comfortable in our skin I think it supersedes any variation of passing or realness because you can be yeah. passing real but you're so insecure and afraid that it draws attention to you. Absolutely. And I think that also goes to this point of online versus real life in turn for most people. Um, most people are not afraid or most people, yeah, most people are afraid to say anything in real life. Um, but they'll say everything online. I oh. mean, it was somebody, um, so couple weeks ago me and um so I was hanging out with Ariel Scarcella and we were down in little five points down in Atlanta and after like that night somebody sent her a message like a hate message that they that she saw us in little five points and was like I don't think you should be here and blah 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 all this stuff like but they would have never ever came and said that to her face like that nobody approached us nobody said anything and it's it it's that type of thing that people feel empowered when they're behind a keyboard, I think, you know? Yeah, their fear goes away. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned um, medical transitioning and and everything that goes along with that. And I think there's a whole, it's a, it's a big topic of conversation because I think a lot of, there's, there's some people um, in the trans activist organizations that don't even like the term transsexual. Like you talked about hermaphrodite being um, offensive. Well, I think to some people in the trans community now think that, you know, identifying as a transsexual is is offensive. And it's almost like I've actually seen some people say, again, it's just online discourse, but it's like that people are transphobic for transitioning. I've, I've seen stuff like that. So hmm. what are your thoughts on... Um, I guess the trans med, the true scum and, or whatever, anybody on the other side of the aisle wants to label somebody like me who understands. And I believe that you have to have some sort of gender dysphoria. I'm not saying I believe in intersex um, or not intersex. I believe in non-binary, but I don't believe that everybody that's um, identifying as trans is necessarily trans. Um, which kind of goes into the trans trender and the spike in 
more women, lesbian girls, identifying as trans instead of identifying as lesbians. So where are you um, when it comes to, I guess, that whole gamut? Because that's a, that's a big array that I just mentioned there, though. <laughs> um, when I was younger, I, I, I guess I wasn't aware of the variations back then. I knew who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I was going to have surgery. And I had it almost instantly after being legal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a legal name change. My gender and birth certificate were modified, but it took going to court. But because I had medical documentation being intersex, it it didn't require anything. Because I want to say it's only been in more recent years that you could change your gender marker without surgery. Yeah. And um, in only certain states. And then, but at the same time, even though I was born intersex, I would never want an X on my license because I yeah. identify as female yeah. and I don't, I don't live my life as an intersex person because most intersex people that are public um, are, are, they will tell you they are intersex. They're not male. They're not, they're intersex. Yeah. And they're not about further gender mutilation surgery. And they don't feel like they have to pick one or the other. Um, go and ahead. Where, where are you though with, when it comes to like non-binary, like being non-binary and how that fits in, um, you know, with the trans label, I guess. Um, yeah, ask that. My, I'm not outing them. They're very open with their um, gender, but my 13 year old is um, started out after going to a pride event and feeling safe, saying they were bisexual. And then about four months ago, they asked to cut their hair and they came out as non-binary pansexual. Okay. Their pronouns are they, them, theirs, he, him. Um, And so, but as of now, they have no desire to change any anatomically, anatomical parts, Um, but that may change. Um, There's plenty of non-binary that don't identify as trans as well as some that do. Um, I think they're just as valid as anybody else. I get, even in the work I do, I get caught up on trying to remember the differences between gender fluid, gender queer, um, gender non-conforming, just because I'm not impacted as often by it mm-hmm. as far as work. And I, I still, even in saying that, I hope there's not a quiz because I probably fail giving real true definitions of all those things. But to me, it's really nobody's business like I don't feel anybody like straight people don't go around going hey I'm straight um now people will say they deserve a flag because of their beliefs and I'm like you're not oppressed (laughs) um no one's attacking anybody for being straight um yeah Yeah, like the straight pride stuff always that that just seemed like a, a a joke um, same with the super straight stuff. It's all kind of a joke to me. Um, and I, I think it, it's kind of people on the right trying, like the more alt-right trying to troll people on the left. And that's really where that comes in. They're trying to be this almost ultra con- um, controversial 
figures, you know. Um, but someone like um, um, I know Miss Trampa Buck. Oh yes, um, I love Buck. <laughs> he he is. Someone posted a while back, and I just happened to see it because I'm kind of like on a semi sabbatical from social media, other than posting through Hootsuite because I got sick of the engagements. But mm -hmm. um, someone asked are you a man or a woman? And to me, that question just comes from a bad place. First yeah. of all, why, why do I need to tell you? Why is it important? And you're telling me in your question, you're already not pleased with me. Yep. And, and so I was like, that's ridiculous. And they're very open about their life. That's mm -hmm. a man. Yep. That is a very comfortable man, but they did not choose to have bottom surgery and, but having a vagina makes them no less a man and trying to convince that to somebody that already has transphobia, good luck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I absolutely, I mean, I agree. And I love Buck Angel and him have had many conversations. Um, we, we sit very similar positions on a lot of the issues. We, him and I don't get agree on everything either. Yeah. But he, again, he is one of the, he's, he's, cause I don't even agree with him on, on, on some stuff, but we have very good discourse. Um, but I mean, cause I'll tell you where, cause where I'm at, and this is the biggest concern that I've, I've had, um, because I don't really think, I mean, I think they changed it, you know, they, I, when, I mean, they probably changed it to mean transgender, maybe 2015. It's a relatively new term because it used to stand for transsexual um, to start adding. And I, like I said, I think that non-binary people are absolutely real. They have gender dysphoria um, where they don't fit in, in there. And yeah, they don't have to have any uh, medical procedures. But I think that, again, they still have dysphoria over, over something in them. The biggest concern um, is I think we're seeing a lot of just gender non-conforming people start to identify as trans. Um, I, I've, I've akened it to, you know, the goth kids. It's almost the cool thing to do nowadays. And it's, it's a trend. It's somewhere where people feel like they can belong, but not necessarily fit in the system. Um, and where my biggest concern with that is, is they're, they're doing it now, but then they, they, they get older and stuff like that. And then we're going to see stats of detransition rates are going to start to skyrocket. I think that's a lot of the biggest concern that people are having right now is because once those detransition rates start to skyrocket, then actual transphobic people are going to look at that and go, see, 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 Tra being trans period is invalid. So it's going to hurt the rest of us <laughs> absolutely and i mean that case in um england you know i'm not saying that it doesn't happen but it seems like the radical left feminists especially with sports background that's their golden egg and mm -hmm. I, they're just as first of all whatever the dream team was in that child's life parents, medical therapy, um, advocates, as well as their voice failed them. Mm -hmm. I don't deny that, but 
at the same time, this group over here is taking them and using them in a way that I don't think is healthy either to further their cause. And this is already something that's vulnerable at yeah. their core. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people have the right to change and be who they are at any time in their life, mm -hmm. but it shouldn't be used as a weapon Absolutely. against those of us that are happy with who we are. Yeah. Um, and that's like you, where my concern is, um, because, you know, I see it from, if we put all these barriers in place and involve court systems to start designing, to, um, ruling over medical procedures, like there's some cosmetic thing, I think we're on a downhill spiral. Yeah. And at first I thought, oh, that's over there across the pond. Well, now there's 89 um, bills of legislation around the country. And I think it's yeah. 29 states um, getting ready to make crimes against youth for being in female sports, you know, and let me start mm -hmm. with this. The definition yeah. of a female is someone that produces ova. Well, I can assure you that no child born is producing ova. So even the definition of a female is a lie. Um, okay. So in theory, you wouldn't be a female till you went through puberty. And then what mm -hmm. happens if you're barren and don't produce ova? Are you not a female? So, yeah. but that's another whole story. Yeah. Um, now the the uh, the case that you're talking about, that's the Kira Bell case, right? Yep. Yeah, it is. I I actually did a video back in one of my last videos. It was like back in December about that case too, like right when it happened. Because I I I tend to agree with where you are on this, not just because of the the situation at hand, um, but also because it is it's the government making decisions. Um, and as a libertarian, I don't want the government making any of these decisions. In fact, like the Arkansas case that you made, you, you mentioned today, because they just passed it, they just passed the one legislation today, um, banning all blockers for anybody. It, that's that. Yeah, that's, that's, and we'll get into that here in a second. But yeah, I don't want I don't want to take that that decision out of the hands of doctors and parents and you know and 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 even the child because they are the ones that are equipped to be able to make those decisions instead the way that they have in the uk is that you don't actually it's basically you don't own your body the court system does the government owns you is what they're saying in that in that regard um and they know better than even the doctors so you have to prove to them that you're gender dysphoric before you can do that. Um, now, you mentioned women's sports, so we'll just kind of get into that that topic here in a second because it's a, it's it's definitely one I think a lot of people wanna wanna hear um, us talk about because. So first, my. Um, my thoughts on this are for one, we're not talking about professional sports. We're not talking about anything other than school sports, because I believe, and I think most people, at least in the libertarian camp, believe that, you know, sports organizations like the WNBA, the LPGA, those are all private companies. They have the right to make whatever decisions they are, whatever they want to make, you know, for their company. 
I believe the same thing with bathroom issues and everything like that. It's that individual company's right to make that make that decision for what happens inside their business. Now, if I don't want to go there, if, if they have a, a rule that I don't like, I'm not going to go there. That's just, I think the market will usually decide uh, pretty well in those situations. But when we're talking school sports, um, I think it's, it's, it's a very nuanced situation. Um, what do you believe should be the rules and parameters behind um, trans girls competing in girls sports? Um, I really don't think there should be a blanket law. I think it really truly should be a case by case basis with guidelines by subject matter experts. Um, and here's where I'm probably gonna get some pushback when this airs, but I do kind of have a problem with a trans youth that's not under some kind of medical transition in Absolutely. sports. Okay. Um, and, you know, and they always find these images, but they never tell you oftentimes who they are, where it is. They have like a marketing campaign where they show the most butch, manly person that's identifying as a woman. And it's made it so that identifying as female is almost like a bad word. Yeah. And, and self-identifying has become a thing. Um, in my opinion, if you're suffering from gender dysphoria, you do need some kind of support system in place. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be um, medical in the stance of medication or surgery, but I think you should have someone to talk to and talk through what you're feeling and going through so that you, you, you get a good sense of self. Yep. But the, the trans girls that I know that are young or now are adults that were young all were on blockers and female hormones. And I can assure you, there was no danger of them dominating any sport. And in my opinion, there's no trans domination ever. If, no. So in essence, they're saying, you know, it's okay to compete as long as you don't win. That's, um, yeah. And so I think that's a bad message. Um, and for me, they always say, oh, it's unfair, it's unfair, but data doesn't back that up. It's not, there's no data that says that trans, trans girls are stopping other girls from getting scholarships and going to college. It's just not there. Um, there's just not enough trans people to even make that. There's not enough trans people to actually make that happen um, for one. And I agree, it's a lot more nuanced than what people want to talk about. Cause I tend to, I tend to agree with, kind of agree with what you're saying as well is that if somebody was on blockers and then started hrt there is no biological advantage and i i, I preach that um and i don't know if there's i don't think there's any data out there right now that has really looked at the ratio so if you were, if you didn't start taking, if you didn't go on blockers and you just started HRT at 16, what that ratio would be to where that advantage is kind of gone. But in my, in my, 
I think it, you're right when it's a very small percentage of population. I mean, there's been like six cases. Um, the one they like to use are the the two runners in Connecticut that won the one first and second. And I don't think that they were on hormones for very long. I think that's part of the issue. Um, and so I don't think we, we have enough data when it comes to that, you know, like I said, that ratio um, as well. Um, now I've done, I have my own anecdotal experiences because I was very athletic. I wrestled for 18 years and then I was in the army for seven and a half years. And I've done, after, and I just hit two years HRT. And I can tell you that I'm still, I can, rec I recover faster than t most biological females. I know that for a fact, even at two years. Now, I know the new studies that are coming out are starting to say possibly three plus, but it used to be two years for the AOS or the International Olympic Committee too. Um, and, and that's what everybody was going off of was their guidance. So two years doesn't seem like it, but at to your point, there's not this influx of trans athletes. In fact, I think most trans trans girls, they don't want to be they don't want to be super athletic. I think I think the majority want to just be more femme than be, you know, this ultra athlete. Um, and so there's not a huge influx, but I think those instances, um, like the one in Ken Connecticut, again, they kind of, they hurt trans people. And I think, and that's kind of part of the basis on our next topic. And that is um, transitioning um, kids, you know, before, you know, taking blockers um, and then HRT uh, before puberty. Um, I am in the camp, kind of in the middle where I think puberty blockers can be a very good thing. We know the Dutch model works, you know, puberty blockers till 16. And then at 16, um, that's when you typically have enough cognitive ability to make that choice and the, and the detransition rate and everything like that completely drops. Um, but now we're seeing all these, this legislation and stuff pop up. Um, so I'll just kind of give you the floor on what you want to talk about when it comes to um, trans kids, and then we can have, we can discuss that as well. Um, you know, I was on blockers, um, and I didn't have ramifications from it as far as not having enough tissue and stuff to have surgery. So I think it's important for people that are doing the transition um, to know that there is risk of not having enough tissue and needing grafts or once you have surgery it collapsing and needing to be reopened. But again, this is something that impacts the individual, not the people around them. Yep. The risk is not against heterosexual normatives. And so for me, you know, like I always say, consistent, persistent, and a dream team. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it, it truly is a case-by-case -case basis. Um, I would hope that parents would support their child and be affirming. Um, 
to just automatically say, we're not doing anything till you're 18, I think is cruel. They always want to say the things we advocate for are abuse. Yeah. Uh, I can assure you, I was advocating for myself then for all of this to happen. Um, so my, my parents were not abusive. Yeah. Uh, you know, they were just reluctant, but I advocated and the doctors supported me and yep. eventually my family came around, but I transitioned at three. Mm-hmm. So I don't have, no one knows me as something else. Yeah. Um, I don't have that experience and I feel very lucky and blessed for that. Um, and I see how life is for youth that transitioned young went on medical transition and then you know it's horrible to say this but they fit in very well because they're unclockable they're yeah they didn't maskize there's it's hard most of the time you know we normally can tell our people yeah you know we just yes a sense of self <laughs> you can look um, somebody in the eye and tell like you both just know knowingly not for a second yeah <laughs> yeah I, I know exactly what you mean but even people that I engage with and stuff if I'm in public I don't acknowledge them unless they acknowledge me first because mm-hmm. not everybody wants to be associated and now there is some guilt by association attached to me so yeah. um, I don't ever want to do that to somebody now, when it comes to the collegiate level, again, I don't see any trans domination and they always focus in on the kids that either aren't on any hormones or, you know, they sort of do look like they stayed their same sex and they're just saying, mm-hmm. but I think, I believe it's rare. I think they exasperate the, the small instances of it. And I almost want to go so far as to say that some of their literature and marketing, they never tell you who these people are, where they are. So I'm like, are they real? And they always pick, you know, like the Mrs. Doubtfires of the world. um, Yes. Which is a fact, you know, you know, show us, show us, I don't, oh, I didn't, I almost said show us a legit trans person, but (laughs) I don't want to say that. But I will say that the people that are usually being focused on are predators. And I can assure you, blanket legislation and almost erasure and no protections or laws, equality for us is not going to stop predators. Yeah. Not. No, you're absolutely right. People are not typically predators. No. No, no, that's actually a good point, because, I mean, you mentioned it real quick earlier, too, um, which is something that I advocate quite heavily against is just the self-ID stuff when it comes to people that aren't even, haven't even taken any steps of making themselves look like female. I mean, the people with beards and stuff like that saying they're trans women, they're going and they want to use the ladies restroom. You know, I think even, you know, California just created the law for prisons. And I think that could be, end up being a little bit detrimental because it could, like, you could have people just go in there and self-ID as trans 
to get access to prey on women prisoners as well. And it's happened in many states. Um, I know it's happened in Illinois. Um, a known rapist was allowed into women's prisons because they identified as trans and everything like that. So I, I, I tend to agree. They and they there is this. It's the way that the media likes to shape any argument that they that they don't like is they create this perception gap that this is very is super widespread and that like you said this is like the it's ma'am lady like this is what trans people are or jessica yaniv this is what trans people are no that's not what trans people are you're trying to shape a narrative create a perception about all of us that's not true um so i think that's where i i think if we could left right center everybody that's you know in the community could at least stop fighting for a second and focus on actual trans transphobic people and not calling people like me a turf <laughs> because i get called turfs by radical leftists all the time for um, a lot of my views um, i think we could actually do a lot of good um, if we if we could all just point out the instances on both sides which are really detrimental um and that that's not what's what's really happening and you're right um i think the stats when it comes to trans kids are what really gets me now there's been a lot of conflicting data starting to come out about blockers being 100 percent reversible so i don't know where what to think about there because typically they've been seen as you know, 99% of people that take them are able to completely reverse it. But the thing is, is what is it? 86% of the people that actually take them go on HRT. So um, it's really hard to gather data when there's not a very big set of people that are um, not taking them after, after a certain period of time. Um, and then we know the studies on the D-trans, the desist rate between 12 and 16, people want to say 80%, but they also use people that were just more gender non-conforming and everything like that in that study. So they were never trans to begin with. They never claimed to be trans in the first place. And then when I look at after the age of 16, the regret rate drops below 3%, but we, we still have a 40% suicide rate. Those are numbers that tell me, and, and then we also start to see that blockers would save lives in a lot of instances. And we also know that the suicide rate can be dropped by 80% if parents were just accepting of their kids and, and actually supported their children. So those are issues and that's where I look at. And I think, again, that's where I kind of go with, I think we need to support trans kids better and not, not just create this blanket law of you can't do this. I think it should be between yeah, doctors, parents, and child. Um, so I don't know if you've seen the documentary on HBO, Transhood. And I was going to do a review on here too, because I think that actually gives a good idea of two very positive stories where if you watch, if you look at them and go, these kids are absolutely what they should be doing is transitioning. And then there's the one which was a four-year-old and you're like, that is the exact opposite. I mean, okay, they can 
present female as they wish they can explore and everything like that but don't go around telling everybody in the world including your church and everything like that that your son is not your daughter when they're only four years old and then you have the one mom who perception wise from from the video was they were using their trans child for their own benefit and their own notoriety and their own activism so I think it shows a good broad spectrum of of um of the issues that we have when it comes to trans kids yeah um I absolutely agree um completely but I'd venture to say there's parents that use their children that aren't trans <laughs> to further their life, whether it be cheerleading or dance or pageantry, all the things maybe they wanted oh, yeah. and didn't accomplish. So, you know, it just seems like we're always on the battlefield trying to defend ourselves for stuff that isn't true. Yeah. And that's frustrating. Yep. And, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but the trans youth thing, you know, they act like they're in the locker room dangling from the ceiling with their cock and balls everywhere and the un <laughs> unprotected faces of little young girls. Uh, yeah. Have you met a trans youth? They're probably <laughs> off the corner. They're probably changing in the coach's office. You know, none of that's true. And even as adults, when I go to the bathroom, I'm peeing. If exactly. I'm in a club, when I'm touching up my lipstick, I'll, I'll just be cordial to whoever's next to me. Yeah. I'm not molesting them, fingering them. Yeah. You know, it, it just doesn't happen. And, you know, I should be more offended by the girls on the floor barfing or doing drugs, you know, give yeah. me a, it, it, and even the religious right, they cherry pick sin, which pisses me off, you know, <laughs> go after all of it. Don't just figure out what's convenient for you and, oh my gosh ugh. i need i need i, I will send i'm gonna i will send you a screenshot of one of my family members because i have some family my, my dad's side of the family is from alabama and they are very very religious and they quoted scripture when it came to um you know the, some of the some of the some of the scripture that has to do with with trans people and stuff like that and so I, I commented on it. They said, because one of our other family members said, yep, that's what the Bible says. And I dropped below it. And I just said, from the same verse or the same chapter, I wrote all the different things. I'm like, oh, so you eat pork, you eat this, you do this, you do this. So why are you picking that in, in terms of that? Because I consider myself a Catholic. Um, I know scripture very well because I have had to, I, I've had, I've had to defend it and everything like that. And um, I mean, fortunately we have a lot of good, we actually have a lot of good churches even here in Atlanta that support the LGBT community and they don't cherry pick that stuff, you know? So, so it is always interesting talking to very religious people um, that like to, that like to disregard the words of jesus and um you know jesus is preached for love and and acceptance and try to say that the bible is this condemning piece of literature 
to well, certain certain groups. From I went to Christian school, and the Jesus I learned about hung out with hoes, pimps, lepers, all the people passed aside by society. Yeah. And went so far as to say, if you go into the temples and listen to these false prophets, you will not go to heaven. Yeah. And I that speaks to organized religion. I believe in God. Yeah. Um, and I my relationship with God and church has gotten me through some of the toughest times in my life. These days I'm more spiritual. Yeah. Um, because of my work, I don't want to push my beliefs on anybody. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel a conviction to win souls and bring them to the Lord anymore. Yeah. Um, and so maybe I'm bad for that, but well, oh well. <laughs> I was on the radio with Austin Peterson a few weeks ago and he asked me. He goes, so you're Catholic. So are you a practicing Catholic? And I'm like, well, I'm not a good Catholic. <laughs> but the advantage, I always wanted to be Catholic because um, I love the ability to go into that confessional, tell what no. I've done. And it's like, you need to say three Hail Marys and this and that. And, you know, I like that atonement for my yeah. sin instant. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but some people want to be like, oh, well, I can do anything and then just go in the confessional. I don't think that's what it means. It, it's not. But yes, I, <laughs> I, I know what you're saying. Um, you can't just go murder somebody and then go in there and be like, I confess. <laughs> um, Father, but, I've been naughty. I've been bad. <laughs> I think I think one of the interesting points of the Bible that people don't even realize is um Jesus actually say, I mean, one of the, one of the men that he used a miracle on was a gay man. Um, and, and, and again, interpretations of the Bible have kind of tried to erase that he was actually, um, the lover of, of one of the main characters. I can't remember who it was right now, but he was, he was the lover and not the servant type thing, you know, but it, it's always interesting. Um, when you know that type of stuff and, and people still want to preach that Jesus hates homosexuals, which is not at all true. <laughs> Let's say that these are all interpretations of the Bible and people, yeah. anything in life can interpret it in a way that's suitable to them. Yep. Um, we can reel off a whole bunch of scripture that supports it and and discredits what they're saying. At the end of the day, it's been translated and retranslated and brought down by man. Yep. Yep. And so, you know, can we really believe all of the things at their core? And then people get confused with the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus died for our sins so that we would have eternal life. So, yep. you know, it's not the days of, you know stonings and giving the lamb and <laughs> give, you know killing your child to show your loyalty to god yeah exactly yeah. well i mean yeah like you said it's been it's been it's been rewritten so many times and it's a it's a it's a translation from hebrew as well so it's not and then we know like the king james bible was rewritten to satisfy king james right so it's not necessarily what was true it was what he wanted it to say <laughs> um I, I mean we'll wrap this up here in a second but there there is one 
subject that I think is really interesting. Um, well, I guess, but I just wanted to see what you think. Um, are genital preferences in a sexual partner transphobic? <laughs> I want to understand this better okay. before I. So, so a lot of uh, trans activists are now, I mean, it's still, I think, a minority set, but there's a lot of people trying to say that if you are a straight male and you don't want to date a pre-op transsexual because she's a transsexual and because she has a penis, that's transphobic. Even though if you just saw them on the outside in appearance, you get along really well. Um, everything about them you like except for what they have in their pants. Um, do I think that's transphobic? I'm not sure. Um, first of all, if a man's attracted to a trans female, they're attracted to a female. Mm -hmm. Let's keep, um, a gay man is not going to like us because it doesn't matter what's between our legs. We're female mm -hmm. and they like men. And so this connotation that if you like us, you're gay has been infuriating for yes. a long time. Um, I will tell you in my early years, um, when I started dating and hadn't had surgery, um, I didn't tell them. And usually it would mean that I was gonna break up with them at some point. Um, but they were attracted to a female. The first man in 1995 that I decided to be honest with, um, he liked me mm -hmm. and it, I won't say it didn't matter, but I was, I never showed him like I wore panties and just touched them to the side for what I was going to partake in. He never saw that part of me, mm -hmm. um, but he loved me. We were together for like 18 months and we were engaged to be married and the thing was, at some point in the relationship, he wanted to know what would please me. But in pleasing me, as he thought of it, would amplify my gender dysphoria to a new level. And I'm, that's, I don't even, I'm not sure of what the norm is amongst all of us girls, but that was mine. And so I don't, I, I mean, hindsight, Either you're going to, you're putting yourself in danger, I think, if you're not going to tell them or you're not yeah. going to break up before it gets to anything. Um, but they're liking a girl. Yeah. And most of the times that it involves domestic violence or murder, they knew. Yeah. I mean, not be kidding ourselves here. So, but I don't want to clump that into this at, yeah. at the time. Um, I guess I don't believe it's transphobic um, because everybody has the right to yeah. like what they like, love what they love. And, you know, I would hope that they'd still be polite and respectful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I like you. I really like you. I'm so attracted to you, but that's just not my cup of tea. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you there. And I mean, um, I think a lot of people... Like I said, I think it's a small, it's, it's more of a small subsect of a lot of the left activists kind of going, 
like as we were talking about before it, it just makes all trans people start to look crazy and crazier and 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 a lot of people on the right's eyes um because yeah i think we all have preferences for whatever right hair colors height size you know everything um i personally am bisexual but i don't it's not my cup of tea to date pre-op trans people I would definitely date a post-op trans person, but not pre-op, just because of how I see men and women when it comes to a sexual relationship. Um, and it's important to like the intimacy you like. You know, no one should take that away. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and, and then there's other valid reasons, like the, uh, I mean, if you're, if you're dating a trans woman, I mean, hopefully you don't look at it like, I mean, a pre or a post-op trans person and say, well, we can't, we can't have kids because any biological female, you might not be able to have kids with as well. Um, but that is, I mean, it's still a valid reason to, to, in my opinion, I mean, you have your own preferences. Um, you might, I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to even think about going through the hardships of, you know, IVF or, or surrogacy and everything like that and i completely understand that as well um yeah what you're talking about with telling people too i'm very much in the camp that if i'm gonna be intimate with somebody you're gonna know um but socially societally um i think we both agree too that it's our business and really when we're talking the only time we really identify only time I really even identify as trans really is when I'm talking about trans issues and right now I'm still in the middle of my transition so it is a big topic on my mind and people always have questions but when it comes to just me living everyday life if I don't want to tell people I don't have to tell people um and, and that's because society should see me still as a woman like you were talking about Buck Angel he's said before he goes you know, he will agree with a lot of people on the right until they say he's a man, you know, the gender critical crowd, or they, until they say he's a woman. When somebody says he's a woman, he will completely switch. And that's exactly the same as me. Don't call me a man because I'm not a man. Um, I might not be a biological female, but still not a man. And so I have a question for you then on that. Okay. Um, I'm going to flip the script. Okay. Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts on people that are trans, probably medically transitioned or not, but will say that they're a man, they'll always be a man, or they'll always be a biological man? How does that make you feel? What are your thoughts on that? So um, the people that say that they are a man, I think are, it's different. Because I have no issue saying that I am a biological male. I was born a male, otherwise I wouldn't be trans. And I think that's where, when it comes to that, I say, yes, I was a male, but I'm not a man. You know, it's kind of the difference between sex and gender, um, gender identity in itself. It's, I can admit, because if, like I said, if I wasn't born a male, I would have had no reason to be to transition. So I think that's just an acknowledgement of my experience and, um, you know, 
what I've gone through to become a woman. Um, and I think that's also part of what we have on the with a lot of youth is they don't want to acknowledge that they just want to sugarcoat and say that they've always been female when if, if, if that was the case you wouldn't have had it and when people say trans trans women are women i agree in the regards again like i was saying about societally absolutely way society should see me is still as a woman but when we're talking trans issues i think it's still um we're talking trans and trans versus women's issues where those kind of inner inner collide like with sports and stuff like that we have to say trans women are trans women because I didn't grow up female I don't have the same experience as a biological female I have my own experience and my experience is nothing to be ashamed of either so we can acknowledge both of those facts without it being labeled as anything but okay you know other than we're, we're we're we have different experiences growing up we have different life experiences um and neither are wrong and neither are neither should be condemned or you know we should be okay but we have to acknowledge those differences do you know like when i was younger going through this it was called sex reassignment surgery do you yeah. think it's service when it changed to gender reassign or gender reaffirming surgery or whatever it's called now yeah so I actually, um, shoot, up until like last month, I've been calling it SRS, right? Sexual reassignment surgery, because that's the way that I've always known it as well. Um, and I understand why they changed. It. So yeah, it went to gender reassignment surgery. And now I think is gender affirming surgery. I think when it went to affirming, that's when it becomes a little bit of an issue, because then it's just I think it's it's a weird wording because you're affirming your gender, but your gender should have been affirmed before you're even doing that. And I understand it's more to affirm it and your affirm your dysphoria and get rid of your dysphoria. But I I, I don't like the term gender affirming. Um, I would rather just go with sexual reassignment surgery and just keep it simple and stop making up words and stop re redefining stuff. See, I'm I'm an anomaly to the people that come after us that way because um that's a situation where i'm neither i'm i'm not biologically female i'm not yep. male i'm intersex i if you do chromosomal check on me i am xx and xy mm -hmm. so you know i could have done in vitro yep um but i chose not to because why would I put myself through all that and then be on bed rest out of fear because I wasn't I wasn't built to expand to give birth yeah so it was a high risk there was a million things yeah that was the one thing I was honest about in relationships I would say I can't have children mm -hmm. that's all I felt I owed anybody yeah. um and but I see again I think everybody has the right to handle that situation the way they want to but they need to be understanding of the risk depending yep. on what they're doing i lived in a time where we weren't all open and it was you know they just barely started saying the words gay um publicly in like conversation yeah and so i believe that you know 
I don't know. I just, that's a weird area. I see now looking back how much danger I put myself in often. Yeah. And I was, damn, who was I? I was, I'm like a bad bitch. Um, but I really wasn't because yeah. I didn't know I was being a bad bitch. Yeah. In reality, I was being a bad bitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think of all these, I mean, I literally engaged in sex without the other person knowing because they were drunk and I could manipulate the situation and where they touched and what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And, but now I think, oh my God, I couldn't imagine. Um, and once I had surgery and everything was done, I didn't see any reason to tell anybody then. Yeah. And so for me, when I was outed, it was devastating because nobody knew I had to warn people that had been close to me. My ex-husband flew home from Afghanistan to tell um, our daughter and, you know, his daughter from a previous marriage and his family, because I didn't want them caught off guard. They live in Winterville. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a tough time and I didn't know how to maneuver. And it stripped me of my confidence because all of a sudden, why is that person looking at me? It used to be because I was blonde, five, eight with big boobs. Well, yeah. now why are they looking at me? And I was, yeah. my joy was off the charts and I ended up becoming um, socially isolated. I couldn't deal with being in large groups of people because I, at some point, if enough people looked at me, I felt like, oh God, they know who I am. And I just wanted to retreat. Yeah. Um, now I don't give a damn. Um, yeah really don't um because no one is going to dictate to me my gender my sex nothing i am who i am if you don't like it hit the road jack absolutely i agree with that completely my um you were kind of talking about um you know going through when you really didn't know what this stuff was right i mean i was i didn't really even know about trans people other than you know you see in movies sometimes and it's not even really a trans person it's probably just you know drag queens and cross-dressers and stuff like that but then so I was born in 87 so when I hit right around puberty middle school time frame is when we got the internet and I was actually able to do searches on the internet and kind of start to understand it but even at that time I I was in a lot of denial um, about who I was I mean I went through a lot of different timeframes where I, shoot, I, I went to college, I joined the military, I got married to a woman, for and we were married for six years, and actually longer than that because we, she's, we were friends after that, so we just stayed married for other reasons, but, um, and then I will say, yeah, coming out was the most freeing experience I've ever had because I was able to just finally go, there's no secrets in my life. And that's why I think I'm so open about it with everybody, because I don't care what you think of me. I'm going to, I'm going to speak my mind. I'm going to speak how, you know, on how I, you know, how I feel about things and really there's nothing you can do about it I mean um but yeah it's I mean if you have an issue with block button on social media is always there and I use it (laughs) you know um but I've always 
I've honestly, it's been amazing because now I'm going to the gym, I'm doing all this other stuff. And what I find is people from all over the spectrum, politically, whatever, um, are all just, I mean, like I said, I, I'm very well accepted. I was very lucky. I grew up in a small town in Michigan and it was a small conservative town. I mean, I grew up conservative and everybody's been great. Even, you know, the people that you would think wouldn't be like the hardcore Trump supporters and stuff like that. Um, everybody's been super supportive of me. So it's, it's been a very rewarding experience. And um, like you said, I think a lot of it also comes down to the confidence piece of it. So I think we need to, you know, kind of like what we talked about at the very beginning, kind of wrap this up and go full circle is support the trans people um, who are not able to be so open as we are. Um, those are the people that I think we need to work. We need to, yeah, we need to help them um, and help them figure it out. And uh, because they, they need people to talk to. Um, and we also know like, a lot, I mean, still parents are not really understanding. Um, I think nowadays parents understand being, you know, gay or lesbian more than they understand being trans because it's still so new um still like the, the fresh the fresh the fresh face but it's now what everybody's focusing on see for me I, the first time I saw someone that I was like that's me was Caroline Cossey Tula which would have been right around the time you were born because <laughs> um, talk shows were a big thing in the late 80s early 90s but um you know no one can say they don't know a trans person anymore because of Caitlyn Jenner, whether yeah. you her or don't, I don't think it gives you the right to misgender her, yeah. um, but you can't say you don't know somebody. Yeah. And kudos to her for being able to be herself before she was gone. Yeah. You know, that's amazing to me. Absolutely. I agree with that as well. Yeah. Cause in the nineties, it was always Jerry Springer and Maury, right? Oh. And they were always the, the perceptions that they were creating of trans people. So, um, you know, I was born a woman was always like once a month or once a week on Maury. <laughs> oh, I've been, Maury. I've been on I've been on Phil Donahue. I've been on Sally Jesse Raphael. I've been on the blonde lady that had her implants removed. I can't name right now. That was another incarnation of my life, but it's, <laughs> Um, it's just one, I changed my name twice. So originally as a minor, I was Paige Victoria Whitney and that, then I got married and I was Paige Whitney Daniels. And mm -hmm. then after, a, um, a brutal assault and rape and left for dead in, um, 1992, um, when it went to trial and everything happened, I needed a fresh start. And so I changed it to Taylor Leanne Whitney. Mm -hmm. Then I've been married umpteen times. And now I'm <laughs> currently Taylor Chandler Walker. Um, but, you know, I had a girlfriend once put all my former last names on a birthday cake. I'm like, you're a bitch. <laughs> but it was funny as hell. So that's awesome. Um, so yeah, I will just wrap it up. So again, thanks for, thanks for joining. This was great. I love, this is one of my favorite things to do. Just had these 
have people on have just open conversations that there's really no script or anything like that we just talk about whatever um so go ahead um whatever you're working on whatever you want to promote go ahead and uh i'll also put a link in the bio um once you send those to me so go ahead okay um this tomorrow is busy for me i am doing interviews around the world but the two that are in the u.s um, at two o'clock Eastern Standard Time, I will be part of Flux AHF um, from around the country um, in a, a chat about what trans visibility really means. And it's gonna be hosted by Leif Ashley. Then tomorrow evening, if you're in the DC area, um, there's I think a few slots for an in-person um, interview that will be done by um, the Denim Collection, which is the Maryland agency under us helping us and they're doing a salute to trans day of visibility and i shot a psa that will come out as well as being on a panel with marsh um diamond styles from marsh's plate and monroe elise a local social media influencer and kanaya walker who is with heart to hand and um i all my social media is real Taycha TLC. I have a website, Taylor Leanne Chandler. If you can't remember that, trust me, Google me. You'll, <laughs> you'll get there eventually. <laughs> Don't believe everything you read. Um, interviews that actually included me are the truth. The ones that never even talked to me, uh, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> and I've written three books. Um, a fourth one's coming out later this year, but I've, um, I have going for the gold behind the scenes and I have Super Bowl surprise, which is fiction, but it's based on my life. I dare you to figure out who the people are. And um, then recently I collabed with Jude Patton in Transcestors volume one, telling my story. And then later in the year, I'm doing another collab with August McLaughlin of Girl Boner Radio out of California. And my part in it is coming back to intimacy after sexual trauma. And so those are all good things, but on my social media, I have a link tree um, link that brings you to all my social media. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I'll just send that over to me. I'll drop it in the links below. And thank you. Again, thank you. Oh, yeah, anytime. Um, I, like I said, I love having these conversations and I, I think you're, a you're a really good person to talk to and this just kind of proved it too right so um yeah really 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 happy to have you like I, i've sent some people over to you um even on twitter and stuff like that because i think you give a fresh perspective that um people that sit in their isolated bubbles aren't getting so i really appreciate it thank you so much and have a wonderful um, week of trans visibility and tomorrow trans day of visibility and you know I hope the rest of the year and COVID and everything gets us to a place where we can have in-person stuff again because I really feel like our community is yeah. already before COVID and now you know we need each other okay well there it is um definitely go check her out um and as you can see, we're not that far apart on a lot of issues. Um, 
but anyways thanks for joining again thanks for sticking around i know this was this was a long one but i think it was an important one to do um i think we might even i mean i'll definitely have her on again um go support her stuff get out of your echo chambers um that's the main reason why i want to have people on like this because it's 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 really important um to have these these types of conversations um but as we said like subscribe um like i said at the beginning please 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 go um go support my gofundme page for my surgery um go support um all my different bodies of work everything's in the link below as you know subscribe to this channel um every little bit helps so thanks again bye